Welcome to Create Your Own Light, where we harness our past, we embrace our future, and learn to conquer the roadblocks along the way together. I'm your host, Travis Howes. Let's get on with it. This episode is brought to you by YourWelder.com. YourWelder.com is an online directory of mobile welders. Whether at your home or at your industrial processing plant, we come to you. Our community of mobile welders can repair anything from the neighbor's mailbox that you just backed into or the cat bulldozer sitting on your job site. YourWelder.com is a directory of highly skilled professionals willing to help you on your job site on your timetable. YourWelder.com screens all of their welders using tools like photos from social media apps such as Instagram, Parler, and Facebook, even face-to-face meetups. YourWelder.com was built by actual industry welding experts who actually perform this type of work on a daily basis. And here's the best part. They're veteran-owned and operated. So go check them out at YourWelder.com. And also feel free to check them out on social media where I'll include their links in the show notes. Welcome back. Uh, Episode 101. Um, Yeah, it's going to be a tough one for me. I just got back from uh, Daytona, Florida, where I was working at the Fire Rescue East Conference, and I was teaching post-traumatic purpose at the conference for the Florida Fire Chiefs Association, and and man, what a great conference. Um, Just, you know, I've had the pleasure of doing all these conferences all over the, the map, and especially, you know, fire conferences, police conferences, I've done EMS conferences, and it's just, it's just so nice to see so many people they're working together to, to become better. And just the networking that goes, goes on and the people you get to meet. And it's weird because it's, um, I guess sometimes I don't realize the magnitude or I don't, I guess not, not even magnitude, but I don't realize the reach that, that this podcast and and that social media truly has. I think a lot of people, when they have social media, um, they're not, uh, that, you know, that they, they're, going about their normal day-to-day lives and it is a virtual connection but then it's weird because for me anyways is I travel all over and these people that I'm virtually connected to they appear and they're 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 real and they're in person and I got pulled to the side by multiple people at this conference and <clears throat> it was just so humbling because this one gentleman told me what an impact I played on his life and any and he's standing there talking to me like as if I did it for him. And he was just singing my praises. And the whole time I'm sitting there thinking, no, man, you you did all this. You did all the work. You, I'm just a guy behind a microphone. You heard a voice. And it made you realize that you're in control of your life. And you get to make all of the decisions on your happiness. But at the same time when he was talking to me, I was really sad and I was really sad inside, but I couldn't show it because that's the weird part. It's people expect when you do this, what I do, when they come to you and they're in your face telling you that you, you did it for them. How can I sit there and in the same token, tell that man what I'm really going through, what I'm really experiencing in that exact moment. The conference was very hard for me because, as you can tell from the previous episode, clearly there's something going on in my personal life that I'm not, I'm not going to really, really talk about it anymore. Um, I it made me think a lot. It made me think about 
perseverance and it made me think about the resiliency that I teach. And, you know, I realize it's, and when I wrote this in my book, create your own light, I wrote something along the lines of bad things are always coming your way. There are always more hard hits coming your way. So you got to prepare for that and how you prepare for that is emotionally. You don't just go through life pretending like everything's just blissful. And I know I see some of those people, but then the the problem with that is when hard times do come their way, a lot of them can't handle it because they weren't conditioned for adversity. And I'm built for this. I know that. I'm going through one of the most emotionally challenging things I think I've ever been through in my life right now uh, without saying what it is. Um, if you listen to the last episode, you can probably figure it out. Um, I have always just wanted to take care of the people that I love more than anything in this world. Um, and sometimes we fail at that. You can be a good man, you can be a good woman, and you can still fail at taking care of the people that you love. And I met this other lady at this conference. And right before I went up to speak, she told me how I changed her and how I helped her. And I was sitting there thinking, fuck, I can barely even help myself sometimes. What do you mean? Then she got into this thing where she's doing this research paper on the frontal lobe, I think, and I'm going to mess this all up, but it's like the frontal lobe and and your brain and how it post-traumatic stress completely rewires that frontal lobe. And, and, and I may be butchering this. So if you're a health mental health professional and you understand the brain and the chemistry of it, don't, don't blow me up and tell me I'm all wrong. I'm just, I'm paraphrasing here. Cause I would, I, w- I had about 10,000 things on my mind that day that I was teaching. And what she said is something to the effect of first responders and anybody that experiences, um, ha- has, traumatic exposure in their life and repeated traumatic exposure. Something happens to where it rewires the way that we think and the re- the way that we react to things, the way that we respond to things. And then it just, man, it just started making sense. It's everything I already know inside of my own head. I just started thinking about all the first responders out there. Why our divorce rate is the way that it is, why it's through the roof because we change and, and it's not that we want to something Something inside of us that we have no control over changes. And then I started feeling sorry for all these cops that I know that have been fired through their careers. And I know tons of them. And they were fired for things that really were not that big of a deal. But it's something happened inside of their brain over time to where they were rewired and they reacted and they responded in inappropriate ways that people thought were inappropriate. But to them, it was completely appropriate. And what happens over time is the people you love pay for that. The way that you respond to things, your inability to connect with them emotionally, your inability to have the compassion that most people have towards certain things. I looked at my daughter yesterday. She fell down in my driveway out here and, and she was laying down screaming. She fell down and I was just standing there. I didn't say anything. I just looked at her. I knew she wasn't gravely injured. I knew that she was hurt. But I knew she wasn't gravely injured. And I just stood there and I looked at her. And then I said, are you you, you okay to get up now? And she's looking at me with this look like, why aren't you helping me up? That's what I'm talking about. 
I used to do a joke when I was in comedy, and I went. I meant this with with every ounce of who I am. I used to do a joke about PTSD parents and how we're just different and we're not helicopter parents. And I, I would is something along the lines of, if my kid falls out of a tree, I don't run over there and scoop them up before they hit the ground. I watch to see if they bounce, you know. And if their arms aren't broken, then I tell them dust yourself off and climb back up in the damn tree. And then I would spin it and I'd say, you know, it's a different story if one of my little girls falls out of a tree and breaks her arm and she's laying there and it's completely disfigured. Then I'll run over there, you know, and I'll sit down next to her and I'll look at her and I'll tell her now with your good hand, dust yourself off and climb back up in the tree. It's just that emotion, that lack of compassion that we have sometimes. It doesn't mean I don't love my kids. It doesn't mean I never loved my wife. I love them with everything I had. But my love was either not enough or too much, right? And I'm speaking for a lot of people out there. I don't make any excuses in my life. Nobody caused me to do anything. I created all the problems in my life because of the way that I am. And chances are many of you that listen to this, you create a lot of the problems in your life because of the way that you are, the person that you've become your inability to connect, your inability to communicate, your inability to show compassion, your inability to give a fuck about certain things because that's all been taken from you. And that's not an excuse. It's the truth. But what do we do with that truth? Because that's hard to swallow, right? That's hard to... It's hard to sit there and look in the mirror and realize that you're the problem because it's so easy to say... Everybody else is the problem. It's so easy to find an excuse and some find a crutch to lean on to help you. And I teach about this in post-traumatic purpose all the time. It all starts with you. And the, the problem is people can't wait their whole lives for you to completely turn around and become a, a normal human being again. I think it's so hard for spouses just because I think they want to be there for you. They truly do. And they want to heal you. They want to watch you overcome this thing. But the truth is, you never really do. The, the truth is, your ability to manage. How well are you able to manage this thing? You know, it's um, sometimes, I don't know. I don't, it's sad because... I know so many people that experience these things. I have so many spouses that reach out. I have these spouses that come to these events and I tell them, I'm like, look, I don't have the answers for you. Every situation is different. Every single one of them is different. Only you can determine the level of patience that you have when you're dealing with somebody that's going through this mental health crisis of post-traumatic stress. You know, we look back at the years of first responders, and we've only recently really started looking at it and putting it under a microscope and shining a spotlight on it. But this is nothing new. It's nothing new for military personnel. We've all been going through it since the inception of these businesses. You know, it's um, being married or being in a relationship or, or caring about someone who has repeated traumatic exposure can be a difficult thing. And only you, the spouse or the supporter, 
know your level of tolerance or your level of support that you're willing willing to give. I mean, it's how long at some point you have to realize too when is it time to take care of yourself? I just had a phone call this week about that. I had a phone call from a spouse this week that was talk, was talking about their spouse and they they're just saying, you know, I've had to completely just let go. And that spouse has got to be responsible for themselves from here on out. Because you're not the savior. Spouses, I want you to hear this. You're not it's not your responsibility to save us. It's not your responsibility to make us happy. It's our responsibility to make us happy. And when we put that on you, that's weak on our part. That's a lot of pressure to put on somebody, man. To put your happiness in somebody else's hands, that's a lot of pressure. But I ask you, how are you built? To those out there listening, how are you built? Are you built for adversity? Are you built to crumble whenever something doesn't go your way or the way that you you hoped it would? Who's watching you? Do you have kids? Do you have family members? Are they watching you? Are they going to watch you struggle and they're going to watch you flail and and suffer? Are you going to rise above the moment and be stronger for it? That's what I encourage everybody to do. You know, I talk about uh, suicide a lot because it's it's not a secret that I've had issues with that. Um, But I do know, I talk about this in my class a lot. When you start thinking about that, you have blinders on. You ever see a horse walking down the street? He can't see the big picture. He can only see what's right in front of him, that tunnel vision. And that's what suicide is. That's what um, a lot of mental health issues are. It's, It's blinders. It only allows you to focus on the problem in front of you, and it never allows you to see all the blessings around you. Because I promise you, your blessings outweigh your problems. But when the problems hit you, they hit you with such impact, you can't even focus on the good. You can't focus. You can't see any of that. And we resort to the only thing that we can think of to get us out of that issue, to make it go away. And I got to encourage you that no matter what you're going through in life, just stop for five seconds and think about all the blessings that are around you before you continue going down that road of, with those thoughts. When I was teaching at um, the Fire Rescue East conference last week, something happened to me that's never happened to me in an event before. I, I, don't, I don't say this lightly, but I was severely triggered literally five minutes before I went on to speak. And I had to teach this entire course from a place that I've, I've, I've had to teach from before, but this time was different. It was a lot harder. And I had to find a way to work through this positively while it was severely affecting my ability to think 
and my my ability to not just want to run out in my car and cry. Here's what happened. Right before I was teaching, I um I went into one of the bigger parts of the conference center where where this thing was. It was a stadium, and um, the bunch of firefighters were doing this rapid intervention training. We know it as RIT. Those of you that aren't firefighters, we're doing RIT training. It's rapid intervention training. That's where we go in. We have a team of, of folks outside of um, a designated uh, emergency response area, usually a fire. And uh, if any one of our own people goes down, that's the team that they send in to get them. The RIT team, rapid intervention team. Okay. Well, these, these firefighters were doing this training. And there were, I don't know, it seemed like a hundred of them in there, I guess. And they all had their gear on. And when I walked in there, you could smell the smoke all over their gear. You could smell it. You, you firefighters out there know what I'm talking about. You could smell it. And I was up on this raised platform. And when I started smelling that smoke, something started happening to me. And when I was watching these firefighters and I started thinking about what they were actually doing, something started happening to me. And my heart started pounding. I started sweating. And then I started thinking. And I couldn't control it. I couldn't turn it off. And I was thinking about, if, if you, those of you that know me, you can probably guess, I was thinking about the warehouse fire on June 18th, 2007 that we went into. And then all of a sudden their pass devices, some of them started going off. That's pass devices, a personal alert safety system for those of you that don't know. And that's when a firefighter falls down, becomes injured, we can we can set those off. Or if we lay still long enough, they'll just go off. And I remember hearing past devices that night when we were in that building, um, whether it be our guys or just the guys that um, died that night, or you know even ours. I mean, it was just it's just a trigger. And I was okay, and I was managing it, and. I was thinking, man, I, I, I got to get out of here. I got to get out of here. But I tried to control it. I tried to work through it because I'm at a point in life where I don't want to run from things that affect me. I want to manage them. I really want to work through them because that builds a resiliency in my mind anyways. So right before I was about to leave, I was like, all right, I think I'm good. I looked down and these firefighters had this... um. I don't want to call it a dummy or a mannequin. They had a, a training tool that looked, it was in the shape of a human being and it was in fire gear. But when they flipped it up, it didn't have a face. It was, um, it was just black and that did it for me. I don't even need to tell you why, but that, that drove the nail in the coffin for me. And then I, I walked out of there so quickly and then I literally had to walk down the hallway, walk into a room where I was being introduced, and um, and now I had to teach for three hours like that. And I've never had to do that before, but what I'm getting at is this. I did it, and I did it well, and I didn't let it control me. It was there. It was a part of my emotions, but I didn't let it control me. I still went in there and worked through it. And that's what I want to tell you. 
Whenever something happens to you, that's not an excuse to flip out. That's not an excuse to lose control. That's not an excuse to abuse people around you. It's not an excuse to go abuse yourself because you feel sorry for yourself. And I mean driving to a bar, drinking, going and getting high, whatever it is you do. It's not an excuse to abuse yourself. It's an opportunity for you to grow. And it's an opportunity for you to become resilient in that moment and to learn a little bit more about yourself. Because if we're constantly running from the things that scare us, how do we get stronger? How do we get better? So I was fucked up for three hours. Let's just say that. But I'm glad it happened. I'm glad it happened because I showed myself no matter what, I can still go do what I do and be highly effective. I remember when I was sitting there looking at that group of firefighters doing that. I picked nine of them out because, you know, that's how many we lost in that fire. And and I just picked them out. They didn't know I picked them out. I was just looking at them and I was looking at them and I was picturing them in the conditions that we found our guys. And I was picturing their families and their families' faces and their children's faces and how they would respond once they received this news. And then I was picturing them carrying them out of that building that they were in. I was picturing their funerals. I was picturing their children growing up without their fathers and mothers. And man, it was heavy. It was very heavy. That's that frontal lobe shit, right? I guess that's frontal lobe. I don't know. Brain surgeons out there. Is that the back lobe or the front lobe? I don't know, but it changed me. It changed something inside of me. We were on a break. We were on a break from class because when I teach, I do a three-hour block. And we have two 10-minute breaks in there. It's a little more than three hours. But this guy comes up to me, and he had tears in his eyes. And he was he was desperate. This is a firefighter. After sitting through the first hour and 15 minutes of the, of the course, he comes up to me. And he says, what is the secret, man? What, what's the answer to get to where you are? And again, if he only knew where I really was, it's, there's, I looked at him and I told him there's no fucking answer, dude. There's no secret. There's no, there's no magic sauce. There's nothing with this. I'm going to tell you what you got to do. And I looked him dead in his face and I said, you got to be happy for right now. For right now, because he started putting a bunch of his problems out there, telling me, and he had real problems. And I said, you can't focus on that. I said, your blessing is that you're standing here talking and breathing right now. Your blessing is that you can be anywhere in the world right now with absolute freedom and sunshine. There, there it is. So harness that and be happy that you have that today, because tomorrow you might not have that. And he looked at me and he goes, Wow. That's pretty simple. I said, it's that simple. You got to see the blessings around you and stop focusing on all the bad shit. I think oftentimes in life we get that forever syndrome. You know, we, when we get into something, whether it be a career, whether it be a relationship, whether it be a hobby or something, just whatever it is, we, we fantasize over it being forever. And I'm here to tell you, Nothing lasts forever, right? Nothing lasts forever. So why put all your bag, your eggs in the forever basket? Why do that? 
I got a message from a police officer last night and the message was, I'm tired of doing this shit. I'm so sick of doing this. I want change. I've been doing this for almost 10 years now and I'm young enough to know that there's something better out there for me. There's a life for me out there. There's, um, there's a career where I don't feel that my back is against the wall. This police officer told me about another police officer getting fired recently, and it was bullshit that that police officer got fired. And you know what? Welcome to the world of law enforcement. That is it. You know, I did this episode. I talked about this episode way in the past. I'm one of the biggest supporters of law enforcement. I love it. But I also know when they're done with you, they're done with you. So if you let that career define who you are as a person and you put all your eggs into that law enforcement basket or even fire department for that matter, just whatever basket you have, have multiple baskets in life because everything comes to an end. You got to understand that. And how are you going to prepare for that when that ending comes? And heaven forbid, heaven forbid you don't have time to prepare for that ending. What if it that, that ax just drops on you one day? You go to work and you think everything's fine, but it's not. And boom, you're done. Now what? That's what happened to me when I was a cop. I was having a great day as a police officer. And then before I knew it, after lunch sometime, I was done. Like, that was it. They were, I didn't even have a... At, at back then, we had take-home cars. They took my take-home car. I had, to, I had to get a ride from another sergeant that was off-duty to take me home. In my... They took my shirt from me. They took my badge from me. All I had was my pants and my t-shirt. That was it. And I was on my way to an apartment that I lived in. That, by the way, I lived in for free because I was a courtesy officer at the time. And now I had to let that go. And now I had to figure something out really quickly because I'd never planned for anything else. All I knew was being a police officer at that time. I didn't know that I was capable of all these other things. I just wanted to be the police at the time. You better figure out an exit strategy to your career. And that's not a bad thing. It's not bad having a backup plan. You ever find yourself going through a, uh, a relationship that you thought would last forever and all of a sudden it's not? How are you going to process that? How are you going to handle that? Are you going to sit down? Are you going to beat yourself up and you're going to feel sorry for yourself? You better enjoy what you have right now while you have it because everything goes away in the end. All of it. If I had words of encouragement for anything in life as it you know pertains to careers, just happiness, just uh, relationships, just whatever it may be, stagnancy stunts your growth, okay? Just like they say smoking stunts your growth. Okay. Stagnancy will stunt your growth too. Growth as what, Travis? Growth as a human being. How many, how many people have you ever known? They get into a career, they get comfortable, and that's all they know. Outside of that, they can't have a conversation with you outside of that because they don't know anything outside of that. How many people have you ever seen end up in one of those relationships, right? Where they just get so comfortable, they give up on themselves. They... They're just comfortable being just, eh, whatever. And then all of a sudden, that relationship ends, where's the first place they go running to? Say it. Who's saying it? When the relationship ends and you've let yourself go and you've let yourself become so comfortable, you've laid on the couch, you've played video games, you've eaten Cheetos, and now all of a sudden, you find yourself single. That day, where do they go? 
probably to to the gym to get a gym membership. When the whole time, why weren't they just taking care of themselves? Why weren't they growing as a human being? Don't allow yourself to get stagnant in any phase of your life. Always be striving for some sort of growth. It doesn't have to be off the charts growth. It doesn't have to be, you don't have to accomplish something magnificent every day. But you should be growing every day. In some way, shape, or form, you should be trying to grow. Whether it be your mind, whether it be your body, whether it be your soul. Um, the way you, you, you speak to people, the way you listen to people, um, the way you show affection. Just all these things that we can work on to grow. And look, I am the pot calling the kettle black. I'm not perfect by it, with any of this stuff. I've tried. I, I've tried harder. The hardest thing in my life, I think, was trying so hard to make other people happy. And in the process, I was abusing myself. And in the process... I wasn't, I wasn't happy with me. And so that can cause a ripple effect and it can affect other people when you're not happy with you. So what can you do today that will make you smile, that can make you happy for you? You know, um, I talk about doing the little things for yourself when you, you got to do little things cause you'll never be able to do the big things, right? Sorry to be so sporadic on this thing this morning. Um, this this episode didn't come out at 6 a.m. Normally, I like to drop them at 6 a.m. But y'all gotta. Hopefully, y'all have some forgiveness in your heart. I gotta. I got a lot of stuff going on right now. Not not looking for pity party. I just uh, just understand when I say I got a lot going on. I got a lot going on, and I'm trying to juggle so many things with two hands, and I can only I can only um, keep so many things up in the air at one time right now. But Let's talk about positive mindset moving forward, right? Let's talk about um, how scary things are when the fear, like the fear of the unknowns, right? When you're when you're facing something that's really scary, what do most people do, right? Most people, most people, they look for security, they look for comfort, they look for safety. Most people don't run for chaos head into it and like with a fuck it kind of attitude, right? Because that's hard to do. Everybody wants a safety net. Everybody, uh, that's a natural human response to the unknown. It's, it's fear, right? But you can control that fear. I look at things like this. I look at when, when things are scary, I look at, I try to look at the positivity behind it. I look at, well, there is no uncertainty and I don't have the answers right now. And I don't need all the answers. But I will learn, I will grow, something good will come of this. And I look at, uh, when I look back at Marine Corps boot camp, I remember it was one of the most frightening moments in my life. It was fun, it was exciting, but it was still scary as, as a young man because when you hear about Marine Corps boot camp and go be a Marine, you hear all these, these, these stories about how hard it is and just how tough it is. And you wonder if you really have it. You're like, can, can I do this? And if I don't, what happens next? Right. And if I don't, what are people going to think? And you start worrying about that and you worry about everybody's opinion of you. And so does that keep a guy like me from going to Marine Corps boot camp? No. What do we do? You do it one day at a time. 
And you go in there and you give your best effort and you learn and you grow. And before you know it, 13 weeks goes by and you did it. Boom, United States Marine now. And that's how I approach everything in life. Um, no matter how scary it is, it's, you know what? It, it's okay to have those feelings. It's okay to be afraid. It's o- okay to have doubts, but it's never okay to let fear control you to the point where it sends you back to a situation just for safety and comfort. And why do I say that? Because I know a lot of people out there in this world that in this mental health world that do that. I know there's a lot of spouses out there who are uncertain and they, they're tired of their situation. They're fed up with their situation that they're in. They've been waiting for this person to come around for so long that's never going to come around. And they're trying to figure out when's the right time for them to grow as a human being. And they think about it. I know this because I've received the messages, hundreds of them. They want to leave, but they can't. They can't drum up the, the courage because it's too scary. So they hold themselves back and they keep themselves in an uncomfortable misery which we talked about in one of the first episodes, one of the first 10 episodes. Um, Comfortable misery. I can't remember the name of it, but they stay there. I know there's people that they've tried to move on and they've gotten, you know, they've, they've gotten some strides in and then guess what? All roads lead back to safety and security. At some point, at some point in life, you got to learn how to pave your own road. You know, you've, you've been given the tools throughout life to learn how to, navigate life you know it's um it it is scary financially it can be scary um just from a, a loneliness standpoint it can be scary but you have to learn how to pave your own road and stop riding on somebody else's road all the time i don't even know if that was the best choice of words <laughs> kind of scatterbrained today we all have problems all right you're never going to outrun your problems, so you might as well face them. I heard a story yesterday about cows and buffalo. A buddy of mine sent me this sent me this video, and he says what happens is when a thunderstorm comes, cows will start running from the thunderstorm, and eventually the thunderstorm catches them, and it catches them exhausted, and the Once it's on top of them, once they're in the middle of the thunderstorm, they're still trying to escape the thunderstorm. They're still running from the thunderstorm. And it just becomes more chaotic. And now they're going with the storm. As the storm keeps pushing forward, they keep pushing forward and they never get out of the storm. And it's a life of chaos and it's a life of exhaustion where the buffalo are different. The buffalo face the storm head on and they go through it. And they get in there and that storm's nasty as fuck. But they don't go with the storm, they go against it. So eventually the storm moves on and the buffalo come out on the other side of the storm. And then they can rest. And then they can collect themselves and go back to happy grazing in life. What are you, you a fucking cow or you a goddamn buffalo? See y'all next time.